0: Scott! I want you to meet daddy's nemesis, Austin Powers. What, are you feeding him? Why don't you just kill him? No, Scott, I have an even better idea. I'm going to place him in an easily escapable situation involving an overly elaborate and exotic death. Why don't you just shoot him now? I mean, I'll go get a gun, we'll shoot him together. It'll be fun. Bang! Dead. Done. One more peep out of you and you are grounded, mister, and I am not joking. All right, let's begin the Creek. Kree and Yugu, welcome to the season three finale nemesis. It's, uh, the Replicators. They're finally here. It's been strange to not have them for three seasons, right? I mean, normally we flip between Goa'uld episodes, random one-off exploration episodes, and episodes set here on Earth, you know, and then a Replicator episode. So very strange to go three freaking seasons, 70-something episodes, without them. 70-something? Anyway. No. Are, are we up to that? Oh, my God. We're so so deep into this. This is crazy. Anyway. Written by Robert C. Coover, directed by Martin Wood. That's my dream team. One of my dream teams. They're very good at what they do, both of them. Um, Starts with one point for the front gate stock footage, guys. Except there's only one guy, randomly. But anyway, Daniel's in bed because Michael Shanks actually had his appendix out or something. And uh, they've all got time off. So, O'Neill, of course. You feeling good? Want to come fishing? Oh, actually, I'm sick after all. Sorry, Jack. Hilarious. And Sam, of course, welding her thing, the reactor, like, mad. Did you notice, like, she's got longer hair? You know, uh, Daniel Jackson points it out straight away. Did you get a haircut? And in this one, Carter's hair has suddenly gotten very long, and it's like, did they film this episode in the series, the season four filming schedule? Like, was there a break? Between the last ones and this one? I mean, this is fine. I gotta say, though, season four is my least favorite Samantha Carter here. Yes. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just good stuff, this O'Neill stuff. He fills in all this space for the first five minutes of the episode just talking about the leave and the fishing and you've got time off. The bass grow that big and Carter. Really Oh, yes! (laughs) It's just so much fun. And then, of course, with the, uh, you know, why don't you come with me? Two friends having fun. Was that an invitation, sir? So, yeah, got to give it the ten points there for the little uh, romantic tension. Just a little bit. She really, really wants to go. She does. She's touched. She's tickled. She's like, oh, he's inviting me. He's finally noticed me she's had a rough run of things lately, you know? <laughs> she saved his ass so many times and he's been off on another planet with another woman for three months, or over three months. He's been uh, ignoring her and opting out of SG-1, you know, completely having a tantrum and saying fuck all of you in that episode Shades of Grey, <laughs> has to pretend to go bad. Well, you know, like uh, in the previous episode, Crystal Skull. Okay, fine, nothing happened there. That don't, that one that really doesn't make my point. But my point is, in this one, she's like, "Ah, you know what?" And she runs out the door, sir. I, and then she realizes it's just, ah, uh, he cares more about the fish than me. He really does. Even though I want to go, I can't do that. He, he's not ready. <laughs> she just says. Have a good time, Sarah. Um, so I'm given at one point for deflecting the emotions there. She runs out to say, Take me with you! But uh, doesn't. And that's appropriate. But anyway, they he gets beamed away, of course, in the middle of a thing, of a speech, because that's a very O'Neill thing to do. <laughs> very Richard Dean Anderson thing to do. And they're crawling. It's them. And clink, 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 clink. The patter of little feet. So, one point for a push as well. And there's the credits, and, um... It's really weird to see that suddenly, on the DVDs, we're back to the the freaking slow scroll over the big mask of Ra. And the the cool intro with all the action shots and the character title cards is gone. It's just names and the music and moving around looking at Ra's mask, just like the film. God damn it, I hate that intro. I like I like seeing the clips. And weirdly in this thing, it's it was designed for widescreen? Cause when you see it, the the, the writing it says one of the last ones is produced by Michael Greenberg and then Dean Anders. And it's all cut off. Richard Dean name is cut off because it's not in widescreen, it's in 4.4 4 to 3. Um... <laughs> what the hell? God damn it. Did a TV studio make this? I mean, does anyone who understands TV screens may have any involvement in that? That's so weird. So anyway, Hammond, well, he's been beamed away, so I got a call in the team. He calls in Teal'c, and makes a call for Major Davis. Yes! Five points because up in the spaceship it's Thor! Turn right, O'Neil. In 100 meters, go through the door. It's Thor on the GPS! <laughs> it is, as you humans say, a log story. It's just like uh, Tiok going, um... It is a lengthy tale, O'Neil. <laughs> I'm giving it one wildcard point because, uh... Thor is bedridden right here. Just like Michael Shanks is in <laughs> Daniel's. It's weird how uh, they keep him in the episode, uh, even though he's not in the episode. He's Thor, right? You you know that. Michael Shanks is the voice of Thor. So even though it wasn't designed this way, it was supposedly a last-minute thing that Michael Shanks actually needed time off for his appendix, it works so well because it's equal amount of time. It's almost like this is a play, and Michael Shanks is doing two characters, so he can't be... (laughs) He can't be on screen with Thor, you know, it's it's one or the other. <laughs> that's what I make, that's what it gets that just one little wild card point there, because it's kind of funny how they do that. So the info that O'Neill needs is in the stones, and uh, the replicators have found Earth through the Asgard computer. <laughs> Whoops. Um, and you know what? I just gave it the rest of the wildcard points, nine wildcard points, so now we're maxed out of ten. Just because of O'Neill's goofing around, you know, he's working out how to beam a transmission down to the STC briefing room. Hello, is this thing on? You know, all that stupid stuff he does. You know, just for that, and also all of the earlier stuff about the bass and the fishing. And just everything he does is just yes. So he tells them, send me some explosives, Uh, it's a one-way trip, so you're not coming. And uh, I give it one more point for deflecting emotions right there when Carter's like, but sir, we were going to go fishing, and he's like, major, that's an order and that's final. So, we get some more exposition about how uh, energy will attract the replicators. Um, if you beam something, you got to be quick. Run in, run out. And, jeez, uh, these guys are good villains, aren't they? It's kind of like a a mosquito. <laughs> A mosquito, or a sandfly, or even a flea—you know these tiny little parasites—they can detect you, a living mammal, warm-blooded mammal, <laughs> because of the CO2 that your body produces. And these are these little techno bugs, very well written. It's the same thing—an advanced species that uses energy as its thing, as its power, so as its main. You know, that's the whole Asgard thing, is that they've mastered the use of the high-energy stuff. Everything they do is an energy weapon, energy-based. They don't use projectiles or stuff like that. So, these bugs detect them because of concentrated energy, just like concentrated CO2 in a mosquito. Anyway, that's sort of something that crossed my mind. Let's move on. The, the team has come up anyway. Well, at least Carter and Tilk have. We try adding them. Zat no work. Zat is not going to work. So it's time for shotguns. Ah, yes, yes. So they shotgun the hell out of these replicators and everything's fine except they click and clank and click themselves back together immediately and rebuild themselves. So I'm giving it 10 points right here because it's obviously a T2 reference. Terminator 2, kill him, you melt him down, you chop him off, he just melts himself back together. So we're maxed out on wildcard points and now maxed out on reference points. 10 and 10. Um, more chit chat about the plan to do the thing with explosives and inertial dampeners, and we have to get there first. And one point follows for the front gate stock footage, guys, because down on the ground, Major Davis has arrived. Five points. And uh, I love what he says. All I do all day long is, <laughs> is read reports about the Stargate, sir. That's all I do every day is prepare for the call that never comes, because SG-1 always handles it. But I'm waiting in the wings. If anyone goes down, just give me the call. I'll be there. I'm ready. That's what I love about Davis. I fucking love Davis for that. All-purpose substitute. And for that matter, I mean, Daniel Jackson was uh, out of this mission, so <laughs> he's like, yes, it's a- Davis's time to shine. We need a fourth. Um, and then meanwhile back up on the ship Teal'c's walking around and hears click clink click, click They're in the walls They're in the walls And they finally get to the bridge, and then it's completely overrun, so they open the door, well, forget that, (laughs) run away. And the new plan is someone has to go outside. Well, of course they do. And here, Stargate just uses all of the space tropes. So um, one small step for Jafar, of course. But of course, his suit is... uh, It's got it's been dripped on by alien bug blood slash saliva, so it's I'm just giving it I would give it ten points for an obvious ripoff of Aliens right there, but I can't because I'm already maxed out. (laughs) But then he opens the door and he goes and does plants the explosive, but he can't get back in because they've jammed the door. So there's a ten point reference to Space Odyssey two thousand one. All right, hell. I'll go in through the emergency airlock. Without your space helmet, Dave, you're going to find that rather difficult. Hal, I won't argue with you anymore. Open the doors. Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. And then the tropes keep on coming, because it's a reference, I would give it 10 points, but I can't do, like, Mission Mission to Mars or any number of space movies where you have to let go. (sighs) (laughs) And then, of course, they finally (laughs) follow up with uh, a bit of a reference to Galaxy Quest. I've got to check when Galaxy Quest was made to see when I can start scoring the the references, or if it's just a coincidence. That they, that they beam him in. You know, in Rimmer and Galaxy Quest how they beam him in at the last second and it turns the, the other alien inside out. <laughs> Turn him inside out! Jason, we're gonna use the digital conveyor to get you out of there. The digital conveyor? Yeah. You I'm have to get diced into cubes and sit up there in a million pieces? Right. Well, you know what? I think I'll take my chance with Gorignack! We're getting you out right now. It's perfectly safe, isn't it, Ted? It has never been successfully tested. What did he say? Hold, please. Jason, we're gonna test it. On what? How about that pig lizard? Hey, I'm not alright with the pig lizard. I heard some squealing or something. Oh no, everything's fine. But the animal is inside out. I heard that. It turned inside out? (laughs) And it exploded. Did I just hear that that animal turned inside out and then it exploded? Hello? Hold, please. I just saw that Galaxy Quest was made in 1999, so from now on I will score reference points if it rips off Galaxy Quest. Yes. Great. Meanwhile, uh one point for front gate stock footage, guys, because Hammond and Davis are all chit-chatting with the Pentagon and stuff, and they're going to DEFCON 3. Back in the ship, Thor is dying. Cool. Right? He can't use the thing, so there's a ticking clock there. We have to save his life and save the ship or something. Confusion never stops. Closing walls and ticking clocks. Back down on Earth. Five points, because Gary Jones is here! Yes! Yes, and he has all these great techno lines up. Still no sign of them scanning the skies, sir. And then they go to Diffcon 2, because they've found it and the ship is now heading in. Un- on a controlled course, which is bad. They want it to be uncontrolled, which is a little bit backwards, but we follow along. And then the Stargate gets zapped away. That is so cool. Uh... <laughs> and uh, it's nice that Hammond, you know, everyone's playing their part in the team right now, and Hammond knows that the, what his part is straight away. Unpack that beta gate right now. Get it working. Get it ready to receive an incoming traveler, because these guys are going to leave Earth, go somewhere, and need to come straight back. <laughs> um, good for him. And then, then it's the end. O'Neill sums it up by simply saying, "We got bugs." And then it's just a good old five-minute gunfight to end the episode. Boom, boom, blam. Yes, all good. Yes. Have you ever seen Point Break? <sighs> no. Amazing bit in Point Break where they jump over fences. Here's a fence. Is that nine? Twenty-nine. That's just he's just robbed this bank. Keanu Reeves is chasing him through people's gardens and he goes to shoot Swayze, but he can't because he loves him so much and he's firing his gun up in the air. He's like, i oh. Have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone, ah? No, I have not ever fired my gun up in the air and gone, ah! And then Walter and Major Davis talk us down. You know, we don't see the spaceship crashing and flying around and burning and stuff. We just hear them tell us about it. It's coming. It's on its way. It's changed course. It's down. We see a fireball. This guy's reporting a thing. (laughs) And then, of course, at the end, they had to do it. To be continued, one of them has escaped. So, that's the end of the episode, and it's a very good one, and I would give it 51 points, but... I was absolutely sure I saw it, and I just had to confirm at the very end, go online and confirm it. It was Martin Wood doing a cameo, director cameo, in the the early scene where O'Neill gets beamed away right in front of Carter's eyes. That is Martin Wood in the background, so that means five points, bringing the total to 56. Now, if you just check the scoreboard, where are we at the end of Season 3? Let me just do a little read-through of the top Uh, Top 10. First place, Maternal Instinct on 90 points. 89 points, ergo. 69 points, Into the Fire. 67, Rules of Engagement. 62, Politics. 60, Solitudes. 59, Point of View and Forever in a Day. And now, uh, coming in now at 8th place is this one, Nemesis, followed by with 53 points, 1969 and Shades of Grey, and then 10th place, 48 points, out of mind. Whew. Yes! We made it! We were accelerating at warp 11 or something through all of the seasons, onto Series 4, and... The, oh, it just keeps on coming, and it don't stop running, and it hits the ground something. I'm losing my mind a little bit So much Stargate, so little time Thanks for listening, don't forget to Check in all the scoreboards and all of the Other stuff, you can read it at CreeYoohoo.wordpress.com Find me on Twitter At CreeYoohoo Send me an email, CreeYoohoo At gmail.com, I'll very gladly Read out some listener mail Uh, okay That's it, thanks Let's go